the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, again. Today uh, is uh, uh, episode number 101. We're so excited uh, for God's grace and mercies. And uh, I'm just mentioning this because uh, I want to point out to you that uh, possibly uh, next episode and the one after that, we will be having special, uh, basically, episodes to celebrate hitting the 100 show and also approaching the end of the second season. So it's the kind of a combination of both uh, the 100 mark and uh, the end of the second season, which usually uh, going to be episode 104. So uh, we want to just give God praise uh, for his grace and mercies. Now, uh, last week we were talking, myself uh, and Pastor Mark, who is my guest uh, uh, throughout the study uh, of this series in the Book of Romans, who is also here with me. Hi, Pastor Mark. Hello, Al. Good to be here. Uh, last week, uh, Mark, we talked about uh, the uh, toward uh, basically the the closing uh, passage of chapter one of Romans and. Uh, we highlighted a few things in uh, verse 18, 19, and also a couple of those also in 20 to 24. Uh, but really, after that, uh, after God told us why his wrath has been revealed, and uh, the fact that man is the one who chose to stray away from God because of the stubbornness uh, of man's heart and the actions that they do, uh, we see a list in there uh, that is given to us. Uh, would you elaborate a little bit uh, on that list? Yes, definitely. The list begins in um, starting in verses 28, which is where we're going to look, 28 to the end of the chapter here today. Uh, the, word, the verse uh, 28 begins with the word and. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over. This is how the wrath of God has been revealed. He's given mankind over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Well, what does that mean, things which are not proper? Verses 29 to uh, 31 give us a list of things that are not proper, that, uh, that we've been given over to do, so that maybe because of these things, I, I would wonder that this might itself draw people to God. Life is not supposed to be the way this list identifies um, life. It's not supposed to be this way. So we can go through this list. Um, this the, These things that come from not giving acknowledgement to God, uh, exchanging truth for a lie, leads to greater evil within us, a depraved mind and things which are improper. So the first on the list in verse 29 is being filled, filled 
not just a little bit, not having some, but being filled with all. Notice these these uh, heavy words here. We're filled with all. And the first one there on the list is unrighteousness. Unrighteousness means uh, that before the court, you're guilty. You, you, there's no reason why the judge would ever want to let you off the hook for what you've done and, and your relationship with with the, 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 with the Lord God. So you're filled with all unrighteousness. And then from here, the, the, the list gets very specific about some things. And it gets very ugly also. Yes, it does. So first is wickedness. Greed. I don't know that we need to really, but but as you hear this list and and the distinctions made, it makes me, me wonder sometimes. So okay, there's wickedness, there's greed. I, when I think of wickedness, I think of how we treat one another, and and the thing that comes to my mind is is how often in relationships we just use other people for what we can get from them. That's a very wicked wicked thing. A husband who decides he really doesn't love his wife, but because she has a good income, um, he's going to stay with her or, or marry her anyway, and then treats her very poorly. That, that kind of, that, to me, that's wickedness. That's a very wicked, wicked thing. And then greed. Greed is, is not being willing to let go, but to hold on as tight as possible to everything you can get your hands on, whether it belongs to someone else or not. It doesn't matter. There's no sharing. There's no giving. There isn't a heart of, of gratitude. Again, denying the truth. The truth is that we should look at God and we should give thanks. When you're a greedy person, you're not going to give thanks. The very opposite of of, of what Paul has sort of described we should be doing because of who God is. And on and on this list is going to go evil. The, within us is evil. We're full of envy. How often does it fall upon us that we see uh, the good things that someone else has in this life and, and uh, um, <laughs> Uh, we want or we're envious because someone got ahead and we didn't or that's not fair. I, I hate to say this, but I, I see this sometimes in my little grandchildren, Al. They're they're only four years old. But if someone else, if if one of the children gets some attention and the other one does not, you can see that there's a bit of envy there. And I want this. Or one has a birthday party and the others attend. So the ones whose birthday it is, they get all the gifts. And the others, they tend to struggle because how come it's not me? That That's envy at its core. It's deep within the brokenness of our human nature. Um, we can go on full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. And by the way, I want to just remind us, uh, our Lord says murder is hating your brother. So in case someone is wondering. Right. So, and I think that's very important. Just, you may not do something to your brother. You may not get even or murder, in fact. But the fact that we hate one another or we become so angry that we, within we hold these grudges. And those grudges play out in our lives and in those relationships with others. It's just like having murdered someone the way we often tend to want to treat them. And I think that's what Jesus was referring to. Strife. Have you ever been in a household where there's just nothing but strife all the time? 
Why is that? That people don't seem to be able to get along. There's no peace. There's no calmness. Brother, I sat in uh, dinner meetings where there was strife, and I'm asking myself, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a. It's as if people. I have to be right all the time. Listen to me. I don't know what's going on there, but it's people making, again, that God of self. Remember, it's exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God for the for the image, for something that represents corruptible man. And this is what corruptible man looks like. So this 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 thing here of strife and deceit and. Uh, that's that's the fruit of what's going to come out of people who put self um, as number one. You know, Mark, uh, it's, I look at the list, and, and I know what people are thinking. Oh, I'm just a believer in Christ. Uh, this, this has nothing to do with me. Well, there's a lot of theologies out there, so that's all I can say. Uh, we ought to be very careful uh, not to um, look deeper at the Word of God and what God is trying to tell us. Just because you are the child of God, by the way, you're not immune from those kind of behaviors. In fact, verse 32 is a telling, though they, the people who practice all of this nasty list that Pastor Mark just shared, malice and uh, maliciousness and deceit and strive and slanders and gossip and boastfulness and so on and so forth, though they know God's righteous decree— Notice, those who did this, they know God's righteous decree. They know what is right and wrong. In fact, those who, by the way, fight the Ten Commandments and they don't want to see him, I wonder why they want to remove him. It seems like it's convicting them every time they look at it, basically. So they knew the righteousness, uh, righteous decrees of God, basically, that those who practice such thing deserve to die. That's their punishment. Sin lead to death. That's the wages of sin, Okay. And that could be eternal separation, all right? But look what it says in the second clause of verse 32. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them too. Wow. I'm not sure what to say about that, Al. How, how often have you run into something where people who are doing something on this list— and, and, and again, maybe before we go there, I want to go back to—there are those in the church who think this is talking about those out there, outside of our four walls or outside of our circle of people. Uh, on this list is the word gossips, um, slanderers, um, arrogant— boastful, disobedient to parents. We don't find those within the church, within the heart of, of all mankind. I, I, I think we do. But, but at any rate, the, how often have you seen, let's go back to 32. We're all like this, Al. We're all, we're all like this. I see myself in this passage. But for the grace of God, I am broken and I am lost and I'm so grateful for his love and his voice that calls out to bring me into his presence and to make me righteous before him through the gospel, through him, his eternal plan to become one of us through his son, Jesus Christ, and pay the penalty for our sins, die for us so that he might rise from the dead. And in his rising, I can rise too. 
from the dead. What an awesome, awesome thing. But anyway, I digressed there from what you were going. Not at all. The reason why I brought this up, brother, because when we get to chapter 2, you begin to see what's going on. Paul now, who is a Jew, who is a Pharisee, before accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, was definitely uh, one of those uh, zealot uh, Jews uh, for the law. Uh, He's directing the attention here to his Jewish people and saying, therefore, you have no excuse. He's talking to the chosen people now. Why? Because he's saying you pass judgment on the Gentiles because the first chapter at least focuses on the Gentiles. And how often does the church say, oh, we don't do this. You know, it's those people who do that kind of stuff. Those out there, they're yeah. the bad guys. Yeah, well, thank God for the cross because I'm, my sins are forgiven already. Even though if I sin and do these things, but my sins are forgiven. As if like it's a, a green light to go on living your sinful life just because you think you have accepted Christ and the work on the cross. You're immune. So now Paul is saying, uh, wait a minute, my Jewish people. You're not off the hook as well. If you think you're judging people, guess what? You'll be judged too if you do the same thing. That's right. That's right. So those who do these things and then practice the same things and in fact encourage others to do the same, it's that's where he ends this chapter, this chapter one, that, that all of us uh, fall into this. And, and how many times have you seen this where, where people are, are living this way and they encourage others to do the same? Hey, you know, live and let live, brother. Uh, I think of the number of songs out in the, out in the world that, that give this philosophy uh, um, Leave me alone. This is my life. Uh, a, a song that that immediately comes to mind. You can you can believe and do what you want, but leave me alone. This is my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. And hey, you should do what you want to do. You should live any way you want. Just don't mess with me, and I won't mess with you. I don't think that philosophy works, by the way, because if this is who I am, I'm going to mess with people, and someone's going to get hurt. Emotionally, physically, this does not make for a good world, Al. This does not make for a good world around us. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. So in in chapter 2, for instance, um, uh, verse 1, it says, Therefore, as always, if therefore is there, find out what it's there for. So therefore, now uh, on top of whatever was listed in chapter 1, you have no excuse, O oh man, every one of you. And, you know, there are favorite words in the Bible for me, by the way. One of it is all, and one of it is every. Mm. There are no exception. In fact, the end of this passage, God says, for God shows no partiality. Okay? He doesn't distinguish between so-and-so and so-and-so. So every one of you who judges for impassing judgment on another you condemn yourself. How often we as believers, even if we do any, don't do anything similar to what is listed here, just by passing judgment, we will be judged according to that. Wow. The, the, the point of chapter one, the point of the heart, the middle of the chapter is that God's righteousness is revealed in the good news of the gospel. And 
what, that seems to be contrary. That whole thought there that God has revealed good news, his power in this message of salvation, how he wants to make right the world. How contrary that is to everything that you just described that sometimes does exist in the world. We want to look at those out there and categorize them, put them down. We won't associate with them. We, oh, they're bad people. I'm going to stay away from them. We judge. We judge. Yeah. And You know, brother, I'm going to say some things right now that probably um, some believers may not like. Yeah. I'm going to say it right now. So here is what Paul is saying. You really get excited as believers when you see Muslims, for instance, doing bad things and say, you see, I told you. That's what Islam teaches. All Muslims are terrorists. All Muslims are this and all Muslims are that. And I guess I want to remind my believing friends, what Paul's point here in chapter 2 is that we need to go back to verse 16 in chapter 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why are you ashamed of the gospel then? If you really think they're doing bad things or they're causing death and chaos, why don't you go to the basics and share the gospel of truth that you earned by faith and they ought to know about it because it only comes by faith. Because you, my believing friends, are murderers when you do not reach the Muslims for Christ because you're willing to let them die in their sin. That's what I want to say. Amen. Um, The message from God is one of mercy and righteousness and justice and love we can't when he declared his name to Moses in in Exodus uh, was 32 33 somewhere in there when he declared his name to Moses he says I am a God of compassion and love showing kindness and the wrath is he takes his hands off because we deny the truth but for all those people out there denying the truth falling into this category we've finished in chapter 1 The message of the gospel is to go out. It's to be sounded. Paul says, I want to come to you in Rome so that I can spread it to you and in regions beyond, even as far as Spain. The message of of the gospel is the only answer. It is power to change people. And it's not a message of judgment. So often we think that, well, if you'll repent, if you'll agree that you're never going to be something on this list again, I can't on my own ever not be what this list describes. This is the human condition. If we put those kind of conditions in front of people, instead of just presenting them the fact that Christ died for the ungodly, while we were still sinners, Paul's going to tell us later in chapter 5, God demonstrates his love toward us in that he sent his son to die for us. Amen. You know, we finished chapter one, obviously. Uh, Brother, um, do you feel led by the Spirit to to try to give us some bullet point summaries? I mean, I have a couple of my own, but what would you like the listeners to glean out of chapter one, for instance? What What is the top point you feel like, I want you to get this out of it? Well, the early part of the chapter, I think uh, um, one of the things that speaks strongly to me is um, the centrality of um, Jesus and of God and um, his love for us. And, And it amazes me, too, the heart of Paul. 
the heart of Paul towards our God and towards the Lord Jesus is that he's this servant, he's this messenger. His desire, it's it, it, what the guy breathes for is this wanting to let other people know the good news. Not judgment, not condemnation, not I'm more righteous than you or brother, you need to get your life right or bad things. It's nothing like that. He wants people to know the love of Christ. Amen. What I want to add to this is I like how Paul opened the letter. We as believers are just as called as Paul himself. Paul opens by saying, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Fast forward to verse 6, including you who are called to belong to to Jesus Christ. The same thing, set apart, belong to him. It means exactly the same. So that's my contribution here, uh, is that not only the centrality of Christ, but we are called to present this centrality. What else comes to mind, brother? Well, it's it's sort of jumping ahead. If, if we continue on through the, the chapters, I, I, I do want to mention probably my favorite verse in all the Bible. It comes from chapter 2, uh, verse 4. It's the last part of verse 4. But to me, it speaks to everything we've tried to get across in chapter 1. As we've identified the condition of humanity and what God has done, it says in this passage that it's, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. The kindness of God makes us want to change. So when people hear maybe this list of things and how bad it is, and they're hearing about the wrath of God that's been revealed, that may not be, that's truth. That is the truth. What we've described in all of these episodes is the truth of the world around us in life. But what ought to change others, what draws people, according to verse uh, 4 of chapter 2, is it's God's kindness. And the gospel message, there's no greater kindness. It, it, to show true love to someone, the Bible tells us, you can be, you might lay down your life for a family member. But for a complete stranger or even an enemy, it says that, that while we were still sinners— the word tells us that Christ died for us. That's the message of kindness. God's hands are open. God's eyes, he doesn't want to see the world in evil. He wants to change the world. And he's calling, he's reaching, and he's trying to use his church to, to, to get the message out there, to reveal to everyone his heart and his kindness towards the world. Amen. I want to add two more points now as well. In chapter 1, verse 14, Paul has a holy obligation. He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, everybody basically, both to the wise and to the foolish. And the result of this holy obligation is eagerness. So I am eager to do what? To preach the gospel. I come to you knowing what? Christ and him crucified. That's all I know. I do not know anything else. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Why? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
Because if you have a holy obligation, obedience to God's calling to you, that will lead you to preach in the gospel. And the reason why you preach it, because you're not ashamed of it. My brother, I can tell you this, Mark. My heart is definitely heavy with the fact that many at the church in general don't have this obligation, don't feel like this obligation applies to them, don't have this eagerness, mm. don't even care about their neighbor next door. In fact, some are even wondering when the rapture would happen. I got some bad news. The rapture won't happen, actually, if you even believe in such a thing. There are so many theologies out there. Whether Christ will rapture me or come and take me, you can call it whatever you want, of course. I'm not debating, by the way, theologies right now. I'm just using common phrases. If people call it rapture or call it just Jesus coming on the clouds to take me, either way, he says, there'll be troubles and tribulations, but the end won't come until all will hear the gospel. Well, brother, um, once again, we are approaching the end of this episode. Exciting. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, uh, regroup again after we do our celebration episodes. And uh, to all of you who are listening, uh, uh, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi. And we were, as always, uh, doing our exegesis from the uh, Book of Romans, Chapter 1. And we entered into Chapter 2 already. So next time, we will continue with that. Uh, join us uh, for the celebration episodes number 103 and 104. You can always contact me at Ministries at gmail.com. Uh, visit also our website at sirainternational.com. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 